are listening to WNDZ, 7.50 a.m., and uh, talking about, uh, actually, the first two guests are very illustrative, very good guests, uh, talking about what's going on in our culture with regard to uh, racism and uh, helping to perhaps uh, shed some light on the situation. Gloria Purvis was our first guest. They did a very good job of talking about defining racism, what it is, what it is not, and uh, how we can ma- maybe address some of those uh, issues. And now we're going to sort of take a, uh, the next uh, s- step here and talk to a state rep. His name is uh, Representative Sean Ford. He's been on the air before. And uh, he's going to be talking about let's move some of these uh, issues to uh, the public policy level. Uh, it looks like that uh, representatives of the Black Caucus, both in the House and the Senate, they are discussing a number of different topics. It's overwhelming what they're talking about. Criminal justice reform, education, workforce development, economic access, healthcare, human services, you name it. And so uh, we're trying to figure out like what's going to happen, what are they looking at. And so with us, uh, we have on the line State Representative LaShawn Ford. Representative Ford, are you with us? Yes, I'm with hey. you for a second time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're like a regular man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I don't know. You probably didn't have a chance to catch the first segment. We had a very articulate guest on. Her name is Gloria Purvis. She is co-host of a program on EWTN called uh, Morning Glory. And she's been really speaking out a lot about racism in the Catholic community and naming it, defining it, uh, getting a little pushback in, in various areas, but but also making a lot of headway. And at the segue, she was saying, you know, let's talk to the state rep who's on here and, and see what public policy issues they're, they're entertaining in Illinois and across the country to help address some of these issues that you've been dealing with. So tell us a little bit about what, what's going on and where do you see this going? I know there's a lot of topics on the table, but is it, I think it's kind of these things. It's hard to get your arms around it because there's so much going on. You know, Bob, it is. It's, it's really one of the reasons why I was going to be a, a uh, priest was because I believe in the Catholic Church social justice mission. And one of the reasons why I ran and the principles that I legislate on are social justice. And so I really believe that our purpose in Springfield during the veto session is a social justice movement, whereas we see uh, faults in our um, government and we see um, faults in our society, and we're going to work to try to um, correct them. You know, and part of it is during during the off-season, like now, talking to um, the community and talking to people that really, truly don't understand that there are real struggles mm-hmm. in their communities. You know, because if you live in a community where it's predominantly um, one um, group, and the struggles are the same in that group, whereas some communities, the only struggle is clean air. They fight for that, or they fight for renewable energy. Well, that's because they don't have to fight for basic human rights. Yeah. And our fight is to make sure that uh, Illinois and all of America uh, has equal opportunity to uh, what God intended us all to have, and that is the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What do you see as maybe the, fir- the the most important issue and what solution do you think will come forth? Maybe the one, top two, if you could. Yeah. Or is the, it even the, – <laughs> that's hard to do, huh? You know, it's not really. And, you know, our number one challenge is understanding and getting our colleagues, and not just our colleagues, because 
our colleagues, just like us, are sent to Springfield to represent the district that mm-hmm. elects us. And so many times the communities that my Republican colleague or my uh, colleague from the north suburbs, they have to go out and not only campaign for the issues that their constituents are saying, but now they got to pick up the social justice and the equal rights uh, campaign. So we have to figure out how we can help our colleagues educate their districts and have colleagues that's willing to listen and really be willing to um, pick up the cause of social justice. What do you think is the number one issue, like maybe then in your district? Is Because like, like I said, I rattled off, you know, I've been following some of the hearings and the first hearing was on, it was mostly like like on police accountability. Um, and then I think the next one was on sort of co- criminal justice reform. Mm-hmm. And, and I just found, and, and LG Sims, Senator LG Sims is the chair of that. And, and I just kind of sensed from him like, wow, <laughs> where do we start with this? I, there, there are problems with police accountability. I, I think that most of us recognize that. I don't think there's there's a lot, but there are some things that could be done. Um, and, and then I see like in the whole issue of like employment opportunities and, and criminal justice reform. I, I just, where do you think like you could get, if there was one thing you could do to address this problem, what, what, what would it be? I, I think if there, if there is one thing that we could do to address the problems that we see in the black community is it's all economics. Yeah. If, if black people and, and are able to break into the mainstream economy, yep. you will see a change in the state. You know, we don't have to worry about uh, deficits. We don't have to worry about um, spending um, billions of dollars on the correction correctional facilities, and we don't have to worry about spending billions of dollars on policing and police accountability. So if we can make sure that that everyone has a fair shot at a high-quality education and have the ability to um, have access to contracts and opportunities, I think we will see some um, problems go away. What do you think in your district or in in the city is the number one barrier to a high-quality education? I would just have to say that the Chicago Public Schools really doesn't have a focus on making sure that the people, the taxpayers, and the Austin community have the high, the highest quality of education, mm-hmm. as you do see in other neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. You know, we're so happy and lucky to have a few good um, schools on the west side that's doing a, a, a fantastic job, and, and I'm grateful for them to be there, and I'm grateful for all the teachers that go to work every day sure. struggling. Sure, but, it's a tough you know, job. We, we, you know, if you think about it, the west side of Chicago still lacks a traditional high school, and that is we used to have Austin High School that was vibrant, and many, mm-hmm. many people have gone Economic opportunity is the other thing. So you're saying it's it's a function of a quality education as well as economic opportunity, and you don't see it in Chicago right now. I don't see equal opportunity 
equal to a high quality of life in Chicago. Absolutely not. You know, um, and we see it now in what happened in the cannabis um, arena, where only, you know, many times people think that it's just blacks being left out. It's really people that's not connected being left out. So if you're not connected in Springfield, if you're not connected in the city, mm-hmm. whether you're white or, or brown or black, you're getting shut out. Mm-hmm. And so what we know is that there have been a lot of white people shut out of the process, but because the face of most contracts are white, you would never know it. So it's also a function of how, and that's that's a function of how government functions. But I, I'm, I guess what I was getting at is... Um, if there's a child on the west side of Chicago who graduates from high school, let's say, and at a, as I think as you described, and I think most people describe as, as a subpar high school, um, can that child get into college or does it not, does this he or she not want to go or is, what do they do after high school? So the, the thing is, the graduation rate on the west side is different than that on the north side or the south side. Because colleges, believe it or not, I was in a restaurant and a coach told me, literally told me, that he feels so sorry for the kids in Austin because when he talked to the recruiters from universities, mm-hmm. they say they don't want kids from the west side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. But he actually was very, very... Uh, disappointing as a white uh, coach, and he was hurt by the fact that um, some of the kids and the kids on the west side of Chicago um, have have been difficult because coaches and recruits actually say they don't want those people from the west side. And why do they say that? Because they know that the the a lot of times those students have been cheated out of a high quality education and an opportunity to be successful. And they're going to sometimes come with um, challenges that other kids don't have. So when they are, when they get to the college campus, they don't succeed. And so there's been a string of failures that have resulted in these people coming to the conclusion. It's just not worth, it's just not worth it anymore. Right. Yeah. That's pretty sad. Um, Is what do you think the committee's recommendations ultimately will will, will be, Representative Ford? Do you, do you think it's going to come together at, at at after the veto session, or do you think this is kind of a longer term project? Well, this is a long term project, right. and hopefully there will be some gains. I don't expect for this to be the alpha and omega of yeah. um, legislation. I do expect for us to push forward with some accountability with the policing. You do? I mean, okay. Yeah, I think that's going to be a, a definite um, win for not only um, the uh, community, but for police. I mean, police need to make sure that they have the protections that they need. And you can't legislate morality, but you can legislate behavior. And so when you have police that know that there are certain actions that are not acceptable and they're punishable, then I think you'll see a different um, behavior from officers because, you know, we have to protect them too because when you think about the Laquan McDonald case Mm -hmm. here, Mm -hmm. Laquan McDonald's, um, his family and the community hurt 
behind that. But because that officer had his conditions and his ways and whether they were racist or whatever, mm-hmm. they were not dealt with. And so now his family suffers as right, well. Exactly. And so we should protect all people from harm. Yeah. That's our job. It, it seemed in the hearings that there was some light with, uh, I, I, I think it was Representative Slaughter, who's a big about person about uh, information, and it does seem like there's some data that's missing to, to come up with decent uh, recommendations. So I think there's probably going to be some changes there, it seemed like, and then um, I, what you had indicated, maybe training seemed to be a big issue, and selection. It seemed like you know maybe there would be some more screening of, of of police officers prior they're going into the into the uh into the police force because it it, it does it, there's been incidents across the country where you know honestly the police unions have sort of protected them too right and so you see incidents of of people being hired who shouldn't been hired because they didn't do the proper background checks and now they have a guy in their hands that is is potentially a dangerous officer yeah and you know what's amazing about becoming a police officer and it's, it's not like becoming a, a police officer for the state police. The state police have great training, and it takes a lot of a lot to become a state police. But, you know, let's just take Chicago, for example. In Chicago, you could have a, a associate's degree in basket weaving and become a police officer. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with your uh, profession that you're going to take the oath to do. There is no real uh, line to... Your training versus your job, and that's unheard of. And the other thing is, I think what police officers see on a day-in and day-out basis, I do think they do need some more assistance for them in terms of how they cope with these situations because they see a lot on an average day, some of these guys, and that wears on you. I think any human being would just get beaten down after a while. I, I don't blame some of the, uh, I, I can understand it. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine what they go through on a day-to-day basis. So providing some more assistance, I think, would be helpful for them on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, here's the other thing. You have some officers that, let's just say that they grew up in, in let's say, Park Ridge, and they decide that they want to be a Chicago police officer, and they move right across the street to Chicago, very close to Park Ridge, close to Niles, and they decide to move over into the north side of Chicago. Well, they've lived and they've gone to school in a culture that's not diverse. And so now they move and now they start patrolling uh, communities on the west side and the south side. They have no cultural competency to those communities. And so we're going to also propose critical race theory. I know our president is totally against critical race theory um, training, but that's what it's going to take. You have to challenge our uh, police officers so that they can better understand the people that they are protecting. So we got a lot uh, on our plate here. <laughs> you have uh, uh, police accountability. You got some criminal justice reform. Uh, I think what you said is 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 the heart of the matter is that uh, education and uh, the opportunity at a decent job, uh, that that's that will do more than, I think, any other thing that we're talking about. That's right. Right. Yeah. So we'll look for uh, some more conversations. I think there's more hearings underway. Uh, the Boy, those things are long, aren't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bob, I look forward to seeing you on the rail again. Sounds good. Yeah, me too. Right. Look forward right. to get down there. Thank Ford, thanks so much. Take care. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. 
Don't go away, everybody. We're going to switch gears here, and we're going to talk to Sister Stephanie, who ran a marathon on a treadmill and raised a lot of money doing so. So we're going to talk to her, switch gears a little bit. Uh, this is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference. Don't go away. We'll be right back.